Before we dig in, just a friendly heads up that this episode contains some cheeky language along with violent and sexual themes and may not be suitable for all listeners. Hello and welcome to Modern Gistory, the podcast that cuts the crap and gets to the goods of history. I'm your host, Chris Parker, high school teacher and bona fide gistorian, and I'm joined by modern ginger-tinged warrior queen and questionable crochet crafter, Sally Ryman. Hello. And together we'll be chucking spears into the ancient story of Britain's Boudicca. All right, Sally, welcome to the show. Thank you. First of all, I just want you to tell our listeners, um, who are you? Who are you, Sally Ryman? And <laughs> what on earth piques your interest about this ancient warrior queen, Boudicca? Who am I? I am a rebel at heart, and that's what piques my interest. Boudicca rebelled against the people that tried to oppress her. So she is my hero. Before we get too deeply into this, I think it's important, first of all, that we have to acknowledge that Boudicca is a name that has faded from popular consciousness. I mean, I talked to my father, who's, you know, one of the, one of the early boomers, and he, has, he knew everything about Boudicca. But if you ask the average 12-year-old, 12, 24-year-old 12 about Boudicca, Boudicca, however you pronounce it or choose to pronounce it, they have no idea. So before we sort of get too much into her, give us some context about how we got to this point where she became important in history. All right. Well, let's go back to before Boudicca. First Roman to enter Britain was Caesar. Uh, and he tried, he tried to invade Britain in 55 BCE, uh, failed dismally, because what he encountered was a, whole, a tribal system uh, that he could not... It was not as easy as conquering a group of people like the Gauls because there were so many different tribal systems. I was going to ask that because he had a bit of a hard time in Gaul, but he succeeded nonetheless. Yes, yeah. yeah. Anyway, and then the other thing is he also had um, power aspirations. So he went back to Rome, don't forget, um, where he famously... Um, started the civil war against Pompey yeah. and then he still had ambitions for Britain but before he could get too far someone stabbed him in the back right and that someone happens to be Brutus <laughs> as the story goes yes. and I think Shakespeare himself also canonised that famous death that's right and Caesar is the last consul and then following Caesar was Augustus as the first emperor who was his grand nephew they wanted to outdo each other in the great spirit of Roman pissing competitions <laughs> <laughs> For lack of a better phrase. For lack of a better I phrase. mean, the whole Roman Empire was literally built on a pissing <laughs> contest, right? Augustus... Poor old Nero just couldn't reach the mark, could he? Even... That's right. Every succeeding emperor, Claude, Julio Claudian emperor, tried to outdo what the one before them had done. So they all tried to go into Britain. Hmm. They weren't successful until Tiberius, mm-hmm. and Tiberius started to uh, make allegiances with so, different kings. So Tiberius is some time away from both Caesar and Augustus. Where, yes. Where is Tiberius? Tiberius is just before Nero. Yes, correct. Right. So when you look at those so, time, first five... Sorry, time, time, just to give some time awareness here. Mm. Caesar's dead in 55 BC? No, no, Caesar went into Britain in 55 BC. Oh, he died in 44. He died in 44. So what year does, did Tiberius make it to Britain and make it a success? Uh, it, he was definitely in there by 60... Sorry, 80, 60 AD. 60 AD. So we're looking at roughly 100 years after Caesar, Rome comes back with a vengeance. Yes. Right. And they have tried over a series of emperors, but they never had much success because Britain was so far flung, Mm. their concentration was on the politics of what was going on in Rome and particularly in the empire immediately around them. So Britain was too far out. (laughs) Again, one of these side questions, Mm. which is all about tangent teaching. Why were they after Britain? I mean, there was no sheep there at this point. What, what, what was, was the industry? Competition. It was the furthest... So it was it was, literally just a point. It was the I'm, furthest I'm, point that they could take it to. Right. 
Mm. And it was an island off the mainland. Right. So there was no real, as far as they're aware, strategic or economic... No. (laughs) And in actual fact, when they took it, they had so many difficulties going into Scotland. I think they built Hadrian's Wall, which is through York, because once they got to there, they couldn't handle it. (laughs) And the other thing is you also have to remember that the Romans, as they went, they would take Romans out into territories. They would conquer the people and then enlist those people into the army. Romanise them. Mm. Enlist them into the army. So when we say the Romans went into Britain, it was actually a series of conquered people that they took with them. And I mean, it's in, in Britain at this point in history has got a pretty strong Tony Abbott campaign of stopping the boats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're succeeding yeah. until until about 60-something AD. Yeah, well, a lot of them wanted to be Roman, and the way they could be Roman was to be in the army. But you, yeah. know, you have to question their loyalty and their uh, gain from going so far from home. Yeah. So here we are in 60-something AD. 60 AD, yeah. Okay, and we've got Tiberius as emperor, and he's managed to vassalize parts of Britain. Yes. So he created client kingdom. So a client kingdom is because you have to also remember that Britain was tribal. So there was also disputes between the tribes themselves. So the um, the Trevantes were actually dominated um, by the next door tribe who didn't like the fact that they were so close to Rome. So right. they were then invaded by Rome. They were invaded <laughs> Trevanti by sounds like an Italian <laughs> name. It sounds like a <laughs> brain of pasta. <laughs> so they were they were invaded by the next door, next door yeah. neighbour tribe. So there was all of this argy-bargy about if I get on side with Rome, they'll help me keep, you know, the neighbouring tribes away. Then King Prasutagus, who's actually Boudicca's husband, mm-hmm. makes a deal with Rome to be loyal to Rome, and in return, the Romans let him remain as a king of his tribe. Oh, this is so mafia. So what does he get in return? He gets protection from the um, the uh, Trinovantes next door, yep. which at this point you have to remember that the Iceni were up in the northeast on a, on a peninsula. It was actually one of the few grasslands right. in Britain, and so they kept horses, whereas all the rest tended to be in sort of mountainous country. So it sort of gave them a little bit of protection from neighbours. Yeah, right. Mm. Okay. So you said Boudicca's husband. Prasutica. Prasutica's, again, which sounds like an Italian <laughs> ingredient. Um, we got Boudicca. Here she is. She's the queen of the Iceni. So, and, and husband's, hubby's old, he's, he's chummy. Yes. He's chummy with the empire. Yes. Where does this go wrong? Okay, so you need to remember that the empire, Roman women were owned by men. A woman could not be in power. A woman's role to, was to be in the private sphere. Yeah. The man's role was to be in the public sphere. But Roman society, women had considerable more rights than they did in other ancient cultures. Is that true? Mm, yes, to some degree. A man in Roman society could still play up at his wife. I mean, the fact that we even know Caesar's wife's name. Yes. Is Calpurnia. Well, that's more because they wrote about them. Right. Okay. Okay? If you don't write about something, you don't know it. This is what we'll get to later with Boudicca. Mm -hmm. Um, So Roman women couldn't own property. They needed a pater familius. And pater meaning the male head of the family. Yeah. 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 So Caesar was the head of the... The Julii. Julii, yes. Um, And then after his death, there was an argy-bargy between Mark Antony and Augustus. This is becoming the, the buzzword, argy-bargy. We love it. Um, Augustus then won paterfamilies. Anyway, yeah. I digress. They had to have a paterfamily. So a woman couldn't operate as her own entity without a male in charge. How is this in comparison to the Iceni tribes? The Iceni uh, women went into battle 
never happened in Rome. Uh, the women could own property, they could divorce their husbands, they had a lot more rights, and they could rule in the in the absence of a man, they could rule a tribe. Right. So when Boudicca's husband died, Boudicca was the next person in line to rule. But they were a client kingdom under the Romans, and the Romans... So did the line of succession under tribal politics go to the wife over even the children? Well, it actually went to the children, but she was considered like the queen regent. Right. So she could yeah. she could rule in their, in their name. Um, and this is the problem, is because Prasidicus had promised Tiberius, when I die, you get everything. But when he wrote his will... Oh, that cheeky bugger. I did, yeah. When he wrote the will, he actually left all of his property and his tribal line uh, equally between Tiberius and his daughters. And left and left Boudicca out of it totally. Well, Boudicca was this always going to be the queen dog. regent. They were only, what, 10 and 15, I think. So she was always going to be a queen regent. But she had a right to step in and rule for them until they came of age. Right. So when her husband dies, which I'm assuming in this story he needs to for her to become someone worth yes. remembering, Yes. Um, she's jaded. Well, no, no. She steps up and goes, "Well, I'm the queen. This right. is what I do. This is my. This is I'm entitled to do this." Yeah, and she's angry. She's, she's angry. angry too. So when she gets no, back, no, no, she's not angry yet. She's not angry yet. No, she's going. My husband's dead. So what? what how did he die? How did he die? Natural causes. <laughs> one of those, yeah, one of those two hard baskets yeah, yeah. for the ancient period, which is oh, he just died of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Just, he you know, upset the gods. Causes. Whatever he died from, it wasn't significant. Okay. Um, <laughs> so was, she said, "Neither up, was he." After she, she stepped comes up, to thinking, power. "I'm going to be queen." Yeah. But the Romans weren't going to have any of this. Now, I'm not sure if it's Suetonius Paulinus. He comes into play at a later stage, but certainly whoever the Roman representative was stepped in and said, "No, this is our. This is becomes our property now." Yeah. So they saw, which they kind of. They kind of had a bit of a right to when he no, said... No, well, they didn't. It's not their land, is it? They've already stepped onto this land and made that this is This is true, but old, mm. mate, old mate, what's his name? Prosciutto Roll. <laughs> Prosciutticus. <laughs> he, he, he's, he has given this word. Well, I mean, we see this problem come up later yeah, on with Harold Godwinson and William the Conqueror. Did he say that? Promises. Because if he didn't, he would be invaded by the Romans and they would uh, support the Trevantes to invade him. So, you know, was he just making, you know... Yeah. half-baked promises, thinking that's not how we do it here. Yeah. Anyway. anyway fully baked and died. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so the Romans came in, and when Boudicca said, well, actually, no, this is, I am the queen, hmm. first of all, they publicly flogged her in the street in front of her tribe, and then they... Um, Which is, again, that's a power move, isn't it? That's like, right. Again, the whole public, and this is, dear listen, this is where we get to the bit of the gruesome stuff we warned you about that's to right. start. Um, I mean, these these public floggings. This is this is not just as a physical punishment. No, no, this, this is, is not a social destruction of a person's right. character. This is not someone that's done something wrong. This mm. is someone who's actually stepping into what she's entitled to, and she's been flogged by the Romans to yeah. to make a point. Anyway, which brings us back to Tacitus, who says great empires are not maintained by timidity. That's what the Romans were doing. However, no. anyway, so then they raped her daughters in front of her. The Roman soldiers um, took turns raping the daughters who were 10 and 15, 10 and 12. That's vulgar. They're only very young. Um, so that's when she gets angry. Is this, the, is this the MO of the Roman Empire? Like, is this the sort of stuff that they're doing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, and it was, it, do you think it was worse because of the situation with the whole women asking questions? I think it probably happened throughout the entire empire. It's just that this got recorded because, because this had a... Um, a chain reaction. Yeah. That's why this is famous. I don't I think yeah. it happened everywhere. I mean, this is such a lighthearted podcast and you've just, <laughs> you've just crushed me. <laughs> you've just crushed me. Um, so I guess my question is, is, is this sort of stuff happening in, uh, in Israel? Is it happening in... Oh, absolutely. In, yeah, the Romans okay. did it wherever they went. They really didn't I mean, have... 
they really did have a policy of genocide. Let's breed them out. Let's dominate them. Let's marry them into our ranks. Because that's what Alexander did, and the Romans all wanted to be Alexander the Great. Look at these poster boys of history. You're just tearing the posters <laughs> off the wall, Sally. Stop! That is the point of a feminist um, reading of history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is true. It's an important one, I guess. It's, it's mm. one of those things that you've got... Like, everyone knows the Roman Empire, and we think about gladiators, and we think mm. about the big red SPQRs, and we think mm. of the Colosseum. We don't think about this. We don't we think don't, about the women. We Well, yeah, look, again, even we, we think about how we ignored the women, mm. but we don't spend a lot of time thinking about a woman, a royal woman, mm. being tied up publicly in the public square, being yes. beaten, whipped, and then her daughter's raped in front of her. That's, That's right. This is next-level stuff. Um, but let's not dwell on that. Let's let's move forward from there because this, this whole chain of events, as you referred to, leads to something rather magnificent, well, which is Boudicca, the warrior queen. Well, she was the warrior queen, and she managed to do something that none of no one else had managed to do which was unite a number of the tribes in that um that eastern southeastern area of britain right so she united with the trinovantes and a number of tribes in that area uh, there's about four tribes do you think that rome's treatment of her and the iceni would have had an impact on their willingness to participate in this oh, coalition yeah i think absolutely because what they saw was not just a oh i'm making promises to the romans to keep them at bay they've actually completely um, disrespected and railroaded our culture. Yeah. So I, I absolutely think that was very much part of it. So you mentioned a quote before by Tacitus. Yes. And now, he, he wasn't there. He's one of those cheeky lads that sort of just hears things down the pub and then writes them down. Yeah. He probably was born about the same time that all of this was going on with Boudicca. So Tonius Paulinus yeah. was a Roman general who was in charge of moving in and dominating Rome. So he was at the mercy of the of the emperors. Yeah. Um, so anything they wanted, he did. So we also have to remember in this time, it's about a one-year period, 60 BC to 61, there's also a change of emperors, and we changed to Nero. Oh, God help us. Jesus, Jesus wept. Anyway. So, so to, um, so he Tony's, actually did because Nero fed a lot of Christians to lions, so yeah, Jesus did. definitely did weep. An interesting fact, Nero thought he was a great actor and he would actually perform on stage much to the, to, to the disgust of the people watching him because apparently he was really terrible. Oh. But they, because he we was We all Nero, know that kid, though. Yes. That <laughs> Nero had a lot more power, and if they <laughs> laughed at him, they could end up dead. Oh. So they all had to actually... His mum must him. have had a good laugh. Well, and his wife. His mum, he killed his mum. That's what I mean. <laughs> she must have had a chuckle. Tacitus is one of the historians that we credit with being not entirely shit when it comes to talking about Boudicca. <laughs> Well, he, his father-in-law served under Suetonius Paulinus. Right. So Suetonius Paulinus is charging about Britain. At the time that um, Boudicca, Boudicca's uprising happens, he's off in Anglesey in Wales. Right. And Agricola was Suetonius's, um, was Tacitus's father-in-law. Mm. So we can assume that some of these stories about Boudicca actually came back. Is he, does he have positive things to say about Tacitus is an interesting historian. Because he's Roman, right? Oh, he's Roman. Yeah, he's, right, yeah. he's Roman. And a male. He's, and he's got... He's and pale, he's male and stale yeah, yeah. with and a pen. You know, it's, yeah. it's all about... He's recording the Roman Empire. Yeah. But he is also known as one of the historians that had some kind of empathy for the people that were... Okay. Um, that were dominated. Right. right. So what positive things does he say? Was well, I don't picture? know that he says anything. He just is not as bad he just as doesn't. <laughs> So he just doesn't say crap. No. So an just... ally is someone who just says nothing. Yeah, yeah. You're right. So what they do is they give us an idea of who Boudicca was, 
what she looked like and what she did. What did she, she look went. like? Uh, apparently, she was quite Amazonian with long red hair. Right. Um, Cassius Dio, who is the true Roman, calls her a man-like. And dear listener, you can't see this, but Sally's just rolled her eyes. <laughs> she almost she almost has to spit after she said his name. Yes. So Cassius Dio said she had the body of a man and the voice of a man. What does that even mean? Oh, I don't know. That's Cassius Dio. Going, it means something very different now to what it did then. It think, he's saying she's a beast. This right. is not how women behave. Okay. This is not how women look. Yeah. But she's a beast. She's defying the stereotype, and as a result, we're going to paint her as ugly. That's right. Yeah. We're going to paint her as the enemy in our record, in our history. This is like an Andrew, an Andrew Tate video <laughs> about her. So we've got people talking about her. She's all anyone can talk about because she's this warrior queen who's united tribes. Well, she's, she's gone around and united the tribes yeah. and said, let's march on Rome. Yeah, let's she's get stuck rid the middle Rome's. finger up at the empire yeah. and she's begun to march. How does she go? I mean, all the bookies are saying this is not going to end well. Well, zero to the history record says if she hadn't have gone out into that final battle in Watling Street in the open, she probably would have won. Okay. So that close. That close. So the first battle is Camelodunum, uh, which is modern-day Colchester. This yep. is in Travanti territory just next door. Okay, right. But what's happened is the Romans have moved in. Because the Travanti had this, you know, they were a bit too, you know, shitty chummy with the Romans yep. until Boudicca came along. Mm. Um, that actually created a settlement there, which was a military settlement, but it had become a retirement settlement. So when these people like retired... Like an RSL. Oh, a bit like that. They were still in the army. <laughs> but what happened is, this is what we were talking about before, those people that came from other, other places as part of the Roman military married off to the locals. Right. So they yeah. didn't want to go yeah. back because they wanted to retire there with their new yeah. wives that they'd sort yeah. of hooked up with along the way. Colonialism. <laughs> That's right. So they had essentially, it was called, I think it was called something like the military retirement area, and they had a... Um, they had a temple to Claudius, right. Emperor Claudius, yeah, yeah. who was before. Um, and so it was a really Roman city. Right. And so that was the one they mar- they marched on and they attacked what's first. The, what's the modern city that's replaced that? Is there still... Colchester. Colchester. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and this is so where we get... Boudicca's led her first attack here. Boudicca's led her first attack here, raised it to the ground. Yeah. Some really quite horrendous stories about what she did. And this is where Tacitus is a little bit different to Cassius Dio. Okay. So they both acknowledged that they were quite vicious. They would um, slaughter quite brutally elderly people, children. They would slice the breasts off the women oh. and shove them in their mouths. Okay, another, another trigger warning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's nuts. But what but Tacitus says is... Have they, have, has the empire created a monster or is this just propaganda from Rome? Well, I don't know that it's propaganda. I think it probably would be part of... It's a very, very violent part of history. Mm. And what we know about Tacitus is he acknowledges that this was not the only violence, whereas Cassius Dio plays up this violence and ignores the Roman violence against the Celts. Right, so he's... he's so this, this, is, this is News Corp. Yeah. So Tacitus probably doesn't agree with their violence, but he's kind of saying, well, we have to remember that the Romans were also... It's tit for tat. Well, tit for tat sounds like an inappropriate sort of comment to make it's after what's just happened yeah, in Colombo-la-la-la-la-la-la. Come on, Tit for tit. All right, so then she marches down onto London, very famously raises London to the ground, like destroys it. At, the, mm. at this point in time, Camaldunum is the main centre. London is like a main economic centre. It's where trade comes and goes from because it's got the river. It's got, yeah, it's got. So it's more minor, but she raises it to the ground. She absolutely destroys London. 
Right. Burns it to the ground, like burns everything in her. This is why she is known as the raging redhead. Yeah. Because that's what she does. She destroys things. Because she's yeah, she's not looking to she's not looking to win. She's looking to absolutely expel this influence right. from the island. That's right. And the reason she was so successful is they used these guerrilla tactics. So they got people that were from the area anyway. It's like whenever there is any guerrilla warfare, how do you know who your enemy is? Yes. You don't. Yeah. So they're Celts. They're marching into Celtic territory. So mm. how do you know? And the other thing is she's going into structured environments. It's like meeting them in a forest. There is structures. They're not just meeting Which, on a battlefield. So we've got... That first place that you named? Modern-day Colchester. Modern-day Colchester. Then we've got modern-day London. Yeah. What's the next? Where are we going to next? Well, it's called Watling Street. They're not quite sure where on Watling Street it happened. In which city is Watling Street? So Watling Street is this road, this Roman road that comes from Wales, I guess, down towards London. Right. Feeds into London. Okay. But we know it's just outside of London somewhere. Okay. Um, there's a couple of different theories about where on that road it is, but they're not too far out from each other. But that area is open because it's a road area. It's been cleared to build a Roman road. Mm. Um, It's a plain. And where are Romans best at fighting? Mm. On an open, flat plain. Yeah. Well, sandals are crap on hills, mate. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) The only time that I know of that Romans were beaten was Tudorburg Forest, and that's because the Celts met them in the forest. Is that... Virus, give me back my legions. Was that that yeah, famous yeah, line? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so Watling Street, Watling Street. So she meets on Watling Street. Yeah. At this time, Suetonius has heard about her. So he's um, Paul. Yeah, he's sorry. the general. He's the yeah, general. He's the general in charge. So he's off in Wales. So he's marching down to meet her. But instead of going to meet her in London, yeah, he sets up on Watling Street in this plain and determines the battlefield. So the Roman tactic that they used, not only did they decide where they were going to meet her and chose an open battleground, Mm. they actually had about half or a third as many men. But what they did is because they were so well-coordinated and disciplined, they met the Celts in wedges. Right. So the importance of a wedge is like a triangle, and they're all positioned in these triangles. They're hard to break. They're hard to break. And I, at this point, sorry to interject, at this point, are they still using this shield wall philosophy that they've got? Yeah, yeah. Well, they it's, are, just, well, it's just run and hit. Celts often fought in the nude because everything else just got in the way. And they were really good at face-to-face, which is why they did really well in the cities. Yeah. And they do really well in that guerrilla tactic. But when but they, they don't met, handle an open plane. They don't handle an open plane. They met the Celts on this open field. The Celts ran at them for face-to-face combat, ran into the wedges, and as they got funneled into the triangles, what they did is they actually reduced the numbers so that the Romans on either side of the triangle then had the advantage of being the majority in that small space. Does it create like a pincer? It creates like a pincer. So the Celts are getting channeled into these um, funnels between the triangles. Where's Boudicca during this? Is she on a hill watching or is she actually amongst it? Is she naked? (laughs) I imagine. Well, she's actually, she rode a horse chariot because the Celts were big on chariots and horses. Right. Uh, well, the Iceni's particularly because yeah. they were horses. Were Actually, my, my boomer dad did mention that. He, <laughs> he did mention a Boudicca and a chariot. Yeah. I just thought he was full of it because he often of, is. Anyway, so they good side note. Yeah, got caught into this battle. Got caught into this pincer move, movement. Absolutely decimated the forces. Um, the Romans had their armor. They were disciplined. Um, the Celts fought like barbarians, good in face to face. Not very well coordinated. And they lost. Well, they lost and they... Was this the end of Boudicca? Is she captured at this battle? Well, she's not heard of again. Is that it? Tacitus says she kills herself 
during the battle because she realises all is lost. That's just so Cleopatra. Well, well, did she really? Or is this Roman men coming up with a story that fits their narrative? I'm pretty sure Tassius says she gets... One of them says she gets away and she kills herself. One of them says she was killed in the battle. Right. Which do you go with? I go with... um, she was probably killed in the battle. It was well, pretty look, battle. even if I go off my limited knowledge of what she is, <clears throat> who she is, what you've put out here on the table, I've got to say, I don't think she's a woman who's going to kill herself. No, and she wouldn't back down. No, she's that's, that's what I mean. She's, she's just got this... As a fellow redhead, I can say redheads never back down. <laughs> <laughs> well, then why did Harry quit the royal family? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's not a woman. Okay, so no idea what happened to Boudicca. We're going to go with that she died in battle because that's a better picture for this story. Yeah. We're about given the gist here, um, and let's just face it; it would be too sad if she if if it was the alternative. But she has a lasting impact. This is not the end for her. This might be where her where her her life thread is cut, mm. but her name lives on. Why do we still talk about her now? That means she's not the only rebel man. She's not the only one out there who's sticking up the middle finger to empires, no, Roman or otherwise. Why do we talk about her? Well, we have to jump forward a couple of hundred years or a mm. few hundred years. Elizabeth the first. Yeah. was the first person to translate from Latin the records of Cornelius Tacitus. So another, And this is another red-headed woman. Another red-headed woman. Another red-headed woman. A woman, woman. in power yeah. who is trying to fight the male patriarchy to affirm that she's entitled to power even though she happens to be a female. Yeah. So she takes I think Elizabeth's on board. battle was a little easier, Yeah. if I'm honest. <laughs> anyway, um, so the only things that we know about... Boudicca in written records is from Tacitus and Cassius Dio, two Roman historians. So Elizabeth I translates the Latin and she decides to adopt the symbol of Boudicca. And, you know, what better thing? Here's a fellow woman who I can make her into this fierce heroine of England. So this is, is what I mean, I want to be. This is what Edward I did with Arthur, with King Arthur. Mm. He took this legend and he used it as this propaganda and in a way emulated the Arthurian legend and said, I am Arthur. Yes. And he, I mean, Edward I and his wife actually went on like a pilgrimage around the country visiting the grave sites of, what was what was Arthur's lady's name? Gwen, Gwenevere? Gwenevere. Gwenevere. Mm. And, and so, and we got Elizabeth now doing this sometime later with Boudicca. Mm. Every time you've got a leader who's in a position where it's tenuous, their reputation is tenuous, you've got to grab a legend and tie it to it. They have to pin it on to some kind of propaganda. Yeah. yeah. And Boudicca's perfect propaganda. So fast forward now from Elizabeth, because mm. this is early Renaissance. Mm. She still holds relevance. She has a statue erected at some point in England. Was that under... Vic- Queen Victoria. Queen Victoria's right. Yeah. Another woman. Was she redhead? No, she wasn't. No. She wasn't even English. No. <laughs> but Boudicca... So, well, it was initially they thought it was pronounced Boudicca, but as we've got to know more about Celtic, lang- Celtic language, yeah. it's, it's been refined into Boudicca. So Queen Victoria adopted her, and because, of course, she rode into battles with her daughters on her, her That's chariot. That's Boudicca, not Victoria. Boudicca, yes. So what does Victoria do? She commissioned... I don't think she did a lot of riding on Victoria, <laughs> although she, she did have, like, nine children. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Language warning. <laughs> Trigger warning. Yeah, she didn't ride a lot of horses. <clears throat> so she had a statue commissioned hmm. of Boudicca riding the chariot with her two daughters next to it, and it's now still to this day outside English Parliament. All right, so that about brings us to the end, almost to the end, but before you lies one final challenge. Sally Ryman, what do you see before you? Oh, what am I... It's a clock. It's a clock. It's not just any clock. <laughs> it's a countdown clock. It's a countdown clock. I'm going to give you one minute. And in that one minute, you have to summarize everything that you want our listeners to walk away from today remembering about Boudicca. So 
you've got to cut away the guff and you've got to just chew up the good bits and vomit out some gistery. You've got one minute on the clock and your time starts now. So all you need to know about Boudicca is she was a Celtic wife with two daughters, married to a man who bowed down to Roman forces as a client king. When he died, she had a fight on her hands. She had to fight the patriarchy for her rule that she had a right to. The Romans fought back. They treated her brutally. They raped her daughters. That outraged all of the Celts. She united them together because she was actually a really fierce leader, a female leader. She united them. To a certain extent, they did have some success. They raised a couple of towns they failed when they met the Romans on the battlefield in their preferred location. Everything we know about Boudicca comes from two Roman dudes. There is very little from Celts because they had no written language. And most of what we know about her has been, she's been immortalised by other female leaders holding her up as a strong female leader so they can copy it. We should remember Boudicca because she was a badass bitch. And we all know that well-behaved women seldom make history. Very good. Well done. You've done that in a minute. Excellent. I mean, that's not an easy thing to achieve. Sally Ryman, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It was, it was great to have you here. And I think it's important for our listeners that we, we have these strong female voices from history remembered and, uh, and we can connect them to our modern age, which is what Gister is all about. Absolutely. All right. Hope to have you on the show again. Me too. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Gistery. For more, why not check out other episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your potties from. Or follow us on Instagram at modern underscore gistery to keep up to date and join the conversation. This episode was produced by me, researched by Sally Ryman, and our theme music was written and recorded by Ella Dwyer. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.